Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. You can find out more by visiting their website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator, will be joining us. We'll find out what's new with Boo Mortensen up in Madison, Wisconsin. Seat Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. We're talking about big tech and how it's gaining greater and greater traction in our economy and uh, the power that it has, political and otherwise. We'll also visit with uh, Phil Kirpin, who is the president of American Commitment. What do you hear this story about testing for coronavirus? It's so interesting. Uh, and the power that the FDA has. We're talking with Phil later in the show as well. It is September the 8th, and on this day in 1974, President Gerald Ford pardoned his predecessor, Richard M. Nixon, for any crimes he may have committed or participated in while in office. He later defended this action before the House Judiciary Committee, explaining that he wanted to end the national divisions created by the Watergate scandal. And, of course, the Watergate scandal erupted after it was revealed that uh, his aides had engaged in illegal activities at uh, Watergate in the hotel and uh, offices there during his re-election campaign and then attempted to cover it up uh, with or any wrongdoing when impeachment proceedings underway against him and Congress began. Nixon bowed to public pressure and became the first American president to resign at noon on August the 9th, Nixon officially ended his term, departing with his family and in the helicopter from the White House. That should be September 9th, actually. Minutes later, uh, Vice President Gerald R. Ford was sworn in as the 38th President of the United States in the East Room of the White House. After taking the oath of office, he spoke to the nation in a television address declaring, My fellow Americans, our long national nightmare is over. The first, Ford was the first president who ever came to office through appointment rather than election. He replaced Spiro Agnew as vice president only eight months before. In the uh, political scandal, independent of the Nixon administration's wrongdoing, Agnew had been forced to resign in disgrace after he was charged with income tax evasion and political corruption. Exactly one month after Nixon announced his resignation, Ford issued the former president a full, free, absolute pardon for any crimes he committed while in office. The pardon was uh, widely condemned at the time. Decades later, the uh, John F. Kennedy Library Foundation presented a 2001 Profile of Courage Award to Gerald Ford for his pardon of Nixon. In pardoning Nixon, said the foundation, Ford uh, placed the love of his country ahead of his own political future and brought needed closure to a divisive Watergate affair. Uh, Ford left politics after losing to, in 1976 to president can, presidential election to Democrat Jimmy Carter, arguably one of the worst presidents that we've ever had. Ford died in 2006 at the age of 93. He was always accused of being somewhat of a bumbling, stumbling fool, but uh, he played center at uh, Yale in uh, his undergraduate years. Uh, Gerald Ford. Not an, impre not an impressive record, an impressive guy, apparently. Well, the Florida Department of Health reported on Monday 30 new cases of COVID-19 and no additional deaths in Cuyahoga County. The seven-day average of new cases of uh, as of September the 3rd remains at 54. So far, school openings haven't driven up the number of new cases. That's good. Of course, officials will credit precautions on the part of such as masks and social distancing rather than uh, each of us having our own self-health health, health uh, self-interest and res responding and uh, behaving responsibly as citizens. President Donald Trump predicted a short economic rebound next year and said Monday that the U.S. is rounding the final turn on the coronavirus pandemic. Speaking to reporters from the North Portico of the White House, Trump touted the most recent non-farm payroll report that showed a sharp drop in unemployment rate and said that if he was not reelected, the pandemic rebound would come to a halt. We currently are witnessing the fastest labor market recovery from the economic crisis in history, he said. Next year will be the greatest economic year in the history of our country, I project. Strong words. 
uh, not being backed up right now by financial markets. Uh, they're not so optimistic. Futures are down uh, following a rough three days last week, especially the NASDAQ and the tech sector are getting hammered. Right now, futures in, in that area down about 2.5%. Well, here's a COVID story indicating how bad record-keeping can get. Losing a loved one during the coronavirus pandemic could be especially difficult, but one man in Tennessee lost his mother two weeks before the first reported case in this, in this country. Last week, however, he received a letter telling him that his deceased mother tested positive for COVID-19, a test she allegedly took in June, three months after she died. Troy Whittington received a letter from Shelby County Health Department Last week, there, the letter explained that his mother had tested on June the 20th and should self-isolate. She actually died of COPD on February the 16th, two weeks before the first case of COVID-19 was detected in Shelby County. So uh, there was a, the uh, uh, head of health department there did call him and, and apologize for that, but it's bad enough losing your mother, but having this kind of screw-up take place, it's pretty bad. Also, you know, the fact of the matter is, well, we're going to talk about this later in the show, but these tests, uh, they're, uh, if you can imagine, they're sending a letter to her that she needs to self-isolate, and this is on June 20th, she would have been tested. He received the letter uh, a month and a half later. Why, what good would self-isolating do at this point? Anyhow, former National Security Advisor John Bolton disputed the main thesis of the Atlantic recent report, alleging that President Trump disparaged falling, fallen American soldiers in France, calling them uh, the claim simply false in an appearance on the story. That's Martha McCallum's uh, show. According to what the article said, the president made disparaging remarks about soldiers and people buried in the cemetery in connection with the decision for him not to go to the cemetery. That was planned in that afternoon. It was simply false, Bolton said. Now, he's no Trump supporter, as you well know. I don't know who told the author that, but that was false, he said. The president canceled the planned trip to the cemetery in France because of the weather and not because of a disdain for slain soldiers, Bolton said, contradicting the report from The Atlantic claiming that Trump described uh, the American cemetery as being filled with losers. Trump and the White House have vehemently denied the article and slammed the claim as a hoax. Two sources who were on the trip in, in uh, question with Trump also denied the legitimacy of the claim. Uh, Huckabee was on uh, his claim. He said his daughter was on the trip, too, and she said it wasn't true. So the, the air is going out of this balloon. I think this was released early. It was probably meant to be released in October to smear President Trump. Uh, by the way, this, their anonymous sources made these claims in, uh, for the Atlantic article. And uh, I think we're going to see just a lot more of this kind of stuff coming out, trying to just smear the uh, credibility of President Donald Trump uh, before the election. Just just my thought. This is just one bad example. By the way, uh, Nancy Pelosi sent out a tweet uh, saying, hey, uh, this is Labor Day and we should be grateful for all the people who work so hard and uh, the laborers and so forth. Boy, did she get a tweet storm back. It wasn't pleasant, referencing, of course, uh, uh, hair day, gate or whatever you want to call it. She, she uh, has certainly lost credibility with the folks in San Francisco and around the country for that matter. Well, in a statement shared with the Associated Press on Saturday, labor leaders from America's biggest public and private sector unions said they would organize walkouts for teachers, auto workers, truck drivers, and clerical staff, among others. The status quo of police killing black people, of armed white nationalists killing demonstrators, of millions sick and increasingly des desperate is clearly unjust and it cannot continue, said the statement from several branches of the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees, and the Service Employees International Union, SEIU, and the affiliates of the National Education Association. So these are typically uh, Democrat voters by, and vote by a Democrat by a margin of 80%. We echo the calls to local and federal government to divest of the police, to redistribute the stolen wealth of the billionaire class, and to invest in what our people need to live peaceably uh, with dignity and abundance universal health care and housing, public job programs and cash assistance and safe working conditions, the statement reads. 
So, I mean, you can see the setup here is basically, can you imagine them going on, on strike at this time and for these reasons? Now, most of these employees, of course, are grateful for work, and they're grateful to be able to go to work. I don't know why they would suppose support the union boss, bosses who want to orchestrate this kind of thing in order to get President Donald Trump out of office. That's what this is all about. It's got nothing to do with their appeals uh, for what they want, although they do stand for having a socialist country. And, of course, what President Trump was doing is protecting us uh, from that direction that they want to go. Uh, the calls for justice include more police accountability, acts that would ban police use of chokehold maneuvers, and end qualified immunity for police officers, among other reforms. The reallocation of police money to address mental health, homelessness, and education services in the community. Meanwhile, police unions have rallied, of course, behind President Donald Trump and the Fraternal Order of Police in New York. Influential Police Benevolent Association among numerous state and local unions, of course, uh, support President Donald Trump. Why? Because he supports law and order and the work that they do. Well, big decision coming up for our votes in November, on November the 3rd. Uh, do we want to become a socialist country or do we want to maintain law and order? I suspect that Trump derangement syndrome will drive the behavior of those that don't really want us to continue in the, in the path that we're going. I certainly hope that they're not in a number that will defeat uh, President Trump in November. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Coming up right now, we're going to be visiting with our state senator, Kathleen Pasadomo. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Gulf Shore Playhouse, devoted to creating professional New York-style theater at its very best and at affordable prices, presents a fabulous new season of productions beginning in November with a world premiere of a one-man show written by and starring the talented associate artistic director of Gulf Shore Playhouse, Jeffrey Bender. Pinup Girls opens in January, singing a cavalcade of hits inspired by real letters from our troops overseas. Inspired by what they find funny, romantic, heartbreaking, and sexy, the ladies put on a show that celebrate the guys and gals who fight to defend our country. Bang Bang opens in March, written by legendary actor of Monty Python fame, John Cleese. You'll surely be wiping away tears of laughter with this one. William Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream opens in March. Meddling parents, impetuous young lovers, and cunning fairies collide in Shakespeare's enchanting classic. Another Revolution by Jacqueline Bircher opens in May. You won't want to miss this timely new work about finding hope in one another through the uncertainty of the world around us. What a terrific season of productions. Tickets for this great new season are available now. Tickets start at only $38. Tickets can be purchased by calling the box office at 866-811-4111 or visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. 
And you can get tickets now by just visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Phil Kirpin, who's the president of American Commitment. Right now we have with us our state senator, Kathleen Pasadomo. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning to you. So just want to mention that uh, right now where kids are back to school and we're not seeing a spike in the, uh, the uh, positive numbers for COVID-19. Any thoughts? Well, uh, it, it may be still a little early. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a, sort of a two-week lag time. I think m- most people are a little more concerned about what um, may have occurred over the Labor Day weekend. Um, I'm hopeful that we won't see the spike we did after Memorial Day because I think people have become a little bit more responsible. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at the beaches, there was, uh, it looked like uh, a good social distancing and the like. Um, you know, people in restaurants are being careful. Um, so I'm hoping that this trend uh, of positivity rate continues to decline. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and we stay until we have a vaccine. Absolutely. Well, we're just fingers crossed. And uh, in the meantime, uh, we've just crossed Labor Day. And, of course, that's when real activity for the elections heats up. I haven't heard much about the uh, down down the ticket, what's going on. Uh, any, any comments about who's running to replace Byron Donalds in the state representative and uh, some of these other uh, slots? Sure. Well, uh, first of all, that's been my entire focus was uh, the, the so-called down ballots, mainly the Senate races. Uh, the Republican nominee in Byron Donald's seat is Lauren Mello. She's a realtor, uh, right now um, chair of the or the president of the uh, Naples Area Board of Realtors. Very hardworking uh, entrepreneur, very smart. Um, I think she'll make a really good member of the House. Um, I've been focused uh, mostly on the Senate. Mm-hmm. Right now, as you know, we have uh, 23 Republicans and 17 Democrats, and Democrats are uh, pushing hard to try to take two more seats uh, there in uh, the Orlando area and the Miami area, which have become bluer, but we're working very, very hard to keep those seats and and maybe even pick up a few of theirs. <laughs> so, so my whole focus is, uh, you know, fundraising and strategy for the Florida Senate. Yeah. You know, a lot of people don't, you know, most people are concerned, of course, about the presidential, uh, you know, election, and then in the years when we have a gubernatorial election. But the reality is the bulk of the work that goes on in the state that affects our day-to-day lives comes from the state legislature. And so, um, I try to make the point that this is where everyone should be concerned about uh, because, you know, we're, our Republican legislature has done a lot of terrific things over the last 10 years I've been there. Mm-hmm. If we lose uh, one of our our bodies, if we lose the Senate of Democrats, we will n- get nothing done. Yeah. Nothing. So, well, you make a good point. Uh, that's so, my pitch. So uh, all all state representatives uh, are elected every two years. I think the the uh, senators every four years. So how many senators are really right. up for re-election right now? There there's there are twenty um, that are up for re-election. Mm-hmm. The the interesting thing, however, is that uh, in twenty twenty two, it'll be a redistricting year, which, as you know, occurs every ten years. So every single senator. Every single representative will be up for re-election and will have a governor's uh, race. Uh, 2022 is going to be um, extremely critical for the state of Florida. Wow. Uh, perhaps more so than 2020. And, uh, you know, all eyes are on the ball. And unfortunately for me, that's the two years that I am slated to be Senate president. So. I, I may not see you for the next two years. Well, you know what? It's it's just a really interesting pointing that out because of how important twenty uh, twenty two is is to us and here in the state of Florida. So, I mean, uh, how much uh, in in terms of campaigning and the running for the Senate and the House and these other positions? How I'm watching Byron Donalds. He's claiming a close relationship with President Donald Trump, and he does have that relationship. Yeah, uh, do, how much strength do you think there'll be in uh, the the uh, national elections, and what's going to happen in the state elections? Well, it's a little bit different. Um, 
because, you know, now, of course, uh, as a Republican, we're going to support our president, but it's not the same kind of relationship that the uh, congressional races um, need to focus on, because mm-hmm. they're going to be working with him in Washington, D.C. Right. We don't have as much interaction with the White House uh, as we do with um, some of the, the federal agencies, or and more so state agencies. So... Uh, for us, we don't necessarily, uh, you know, when we're running for re-election, have to align ourselves with one uh, presidential candidate over the other right. I, on both sides, whether it's Republican or Democrat. I mean, we all know that we support our president, um, but our focus, again, is what we can do on a state level. So we're, we, when we're talking about elections, we're, we're uh, uh, supporting our, our governor. Yeah. So, Republican so, governor doing a great job, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. So the alignment is then with. What are some of the policy issues that you see that are important for this campaign? Well, um, obviously, the, the pandemic has taken um, a huge bite out of anything that we're talking about, mm-hmm. mainly because the the cost of it is is filtering down. We have the economic cost. Um, you know, the um, state economy has dropped precipitously because we don't have the revenue from sales tax, et cetera, the tourist tax and the like. So that's a big issue. What are we going to do with our with our uh, much-reduced economy and, and budget? Our budget next year is, hu- is hugely impacted by the virus. Um, so then we have the health care issue. The, the, the toll it's taken on our health care industry the toll it's taken on our tourism industry, our educational system. Mm-hmm. Our kids were out of school from for the first for the, for the second quarter of last year, and now there's a lot of um, angst on whether we go back and brick and mortar or we go back personally. We're going to have to look at that. So I think the focus that for the campaigning is going to be how do we react to what occurred, how we're going to be prepared for it in the future, and what are our, our what are our um, uh, respective, uh, what are our thoughts as a candidate, as candidates, uh, with regard to get, getting back, and then some of the other issues that have always been hot button issues, like the environment and things like that, yeah. are still there. Yeah. Uh, so it's just additional thought that has to go into. The campaign season. Well, we'll think good thoughts for the uh, Republican candidates. I think it's important to hold the Senate and the House. So uh, I really appreciate this update from you, Kathy, and uh, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you, and have a great day. You as well. Thank you, Kathleen. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to be visiting with Boo Mortensen. She's up in the lighter side of the show. We'll find out what's on uh, Boo's mind. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Do 
you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative. And you can find out more by visiting the website. Uh, it is thefga.org, thefga.org. Coming up, we're visiting with Phil Kirpin, the president of American Commitment. Right now, it's time to find out what's new with Boo, Boo Mortensen, up in Madison, Wisconsin. Boo, thank you so much for joining us. Well, it's my pleasure, uh, and I can tell you what's happening in our town. You know, it's a college town. The University of Wisconsin is here. Our communist state legislators did not want the university to open. They yeah. wanted it to close down. The university opened anyway. And so kids being kids, and so the university, like when you come in from out of state to attend school, you go from the airport to get tested right away. You know, they're making all the precautions that they can, mm -hmm. but kids being kids, uh, over the weekend, there were a lot of fraternity and sorority parties, so the university w is doing what a lot of other colleges are doing. They shut down the fraternities and sororities. They have quarantined 400 kids. Mm. They have expelled kids, mm. and when you get expelled... You don't get your tuition back, and you get a $10,000 penalty. That's, that's, I don't know what to say about that, Boo. That's just unbelievable. Uh, you know, uh, They want to keep the university open, and so what they're saying to the kids, don't ruin it for everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, the mo most of the kids are doing what they're supposed to do. They're wearing masks. They're going to classes. They're... Uh, I don't know if they're staying six feet apart, but they're doing all the right stuff. And then when you have these big fraternity parties, ton of kids, you know, so the, the uh, testing and the results spike up, and they don't want that to happen. They mm -hmm. want it to stay low so that kids can stay in school. Yeah. So and it's very punitive. It is. A tough time to go to school. <laughs> it's, yeah, no, I think that there, there's an opportunity here to transform the entire education system, quite frankly. I mean, we've, there's so much wrong with our colleges right now in, in terms of the curriculum and our faculty. Back when I went to school, about 60, 70% of the uh, uh, professors were extremely liberal and, you know, on the verge of communists. Now I think it's about 90%. And, uh, you know, maybe this is an opportunity to do something about that. Well, a lot of these professors are tenured, yep. so it's going to be hard to get rid of them. Yep. I, I don't know. I don't. It doesn't seem like we can overhaul anything. Yeah. I mean, nothing's getting overhauled, for goodness sakes. You're right. Um, I think schools have started in Wisconsin, but it's all done on Zoom. I mean, how crazy is that? All these, you know, these, you know, fifth and sixth graders not going to school. I don't know how you deal with that. So is that what's going on up there? Are the kids going to back to public school? No, 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 uh-uh. And even Catholic schools, a lot of kids have moved their kids into Catholic schools because the Catholic schools say, hey, we're private, we're going to open anyway, we're going to have teachers, kids are going to go into the classroom. Huh. And the state said, uh-uh, nope. Hmm. So they closed all the uh, uh, private schools down as well. I don't know what people are doing. I mean, if you've got a mom and a dad that are both going to work, yeah. 
how do you solve this? It's 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 a mess. It is. Well, I, I don't know the percentages yet. I haven't seen. I've I've heard that about forty percent of the kids here in Collier County have gone back to. Uh, public school brick and mortar schools. Uh, so the, the balance are either doing homeschooling or uh, uh, attending virtual schools, whatever it might be, doing the curriculum from the public school. But it, it's a difficult situation. I'm I'm very pleased, however, that the schools, the brick and uh, mortar schools, are open. That is great, and I'm hopeful that as this coronavirus thing winds down, that they'll remove some of the restrictions on on the uh, young people. So they, you know, I just can't imagine. A second grader having to wear a mask all day that just I just don't see that happening I don't either, but I also don't see a kid a second grader sitting in front of a screen all day and learning yeah. stuff and not being around other kids right you know, it's 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 a mess well, and is this going to go on for fifty six more days? the election yeah we've got the election my view is uh let the kids let the kids be kids and let them go to school my understanding is that they don't transmit the uh, virus to other people they usually get the virus at home uh, when they do get sick that they're most of them are asymptomatic asymptomatic or get mild conditions anyhow so you know quite frankly and for example at the university of wisconsin just keep them all on campus and let, let, them, let them get herd immunity there. Yeah, well, that's, you know, when you're dealing with 19, 20-year-olds whose brains haven't even fully formed, yep. you know, it's like herding cats. It you is. Know, it's, kids are going to do what they want to do. They think that they're immune from it to begin with. Right. But, you know, and then also I have to say that there's a lot of student shaming. I mean, there's kids are saying, hey, wear a mask. I want to go to school. Don't screw it up for the rest of us. Yeah. So there's a lot of peer pressure to do the right thing. And when they found out that these fraternities and sororities had parties anyway, ha! Huh, they came down like a ton of bricks and shut them down. Yeah, that's so interesting. Well, Boo, we do have 56 days until the election. What are your thoughts uh, on that? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I'm tired of it all. I'm tired of... Black Lives Matter. I'm t- I'm tired of it all. Yeah. Everything, everything. I can't. Uh, and it's it's much more uh, locked down here than it is in Florida, or at least you get the sense of it. Yeah. Um. So and, and you know now restaurants, you know they're eking by because they can serve people outside. That's helping a lot. But let me tell you, today, the high, it just dropped out of nowhere. We've just had fabulous weather. Today, the high is 56. You're not eating outside. No. In fact, did I read that that Denver, Colorado has gone from 101 degrees down to snow today? (laughs) 33. Yeah, unbelievable. So there's been. How does that work? Wh- yeah, isn't that amazing? And the wild, the wildfires out in California is just unbelievable. The eight, I think, two million acres have burned there in California, so, and the temperatures in Southern California through the roof, like 115, 17 degrees. I know. I but you know, every year there are wildfires. I'm quite frankly astounded that there's anything left to burn. <laughs> it seems like half the state burns up every year anyway. Yeah. Um. It's you know it's catastrophic really yeah well they, they they could prevent that if they called the underbrush and uh, and had controlled burns uh, 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 and they don't do that unfortunately because the environmentalists won out and the consequence is wildfires like you can't believe yeah it's but it happens every year it's not like it's a big surprise it's, it's you know every year you hear that thousands and thousands of acres burn yeah You'd think they get kind of proactive about it, but maybe that's not human nature. I don't know. Yeah, up near Santa Barbara, uh, the, the mudslides, because of the burns, the, the uh, underbrush, you know, didn't hold the mud, and then we had the mudslides, and Oprah and all these people, their homes are <laughs> covered with mud uh, and destroyed, actually. It's not a laughing matter, quite frankly, but uh, in, in Montecito, California, so... Anyhow, the Californians are well, doing... Well, Mother Nature is not happy. No, Mother Nature is not happy. But I always appreciate our visits here on the, on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it was my pleasure. Have a great day. You have a great day, too, Boo. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seat Motley, the founder and president of uh, Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. 
tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. For the best in food and drink as well as great live entertainment, go to the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar. Formerly known as Weekend Willie's, the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar has terrific new local owners offering a great new upscale decor and a fabulous new menu. Linda and I are weekly regulars to hear live blues, but you can stop by anytime for great food and drink, to watch your favorite sporting event, or to hear great live entertainment five nights a week. The Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar is located at 5310 Shirley Street, just off Pine Ridge Road, and it's open from 11 a.m. until close every day. Visit the website dogtoothnaples.com or call 431-7004. That's 431-7004. I hope we'll see you there. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. Get tickets now by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Phil Kirpin, the president of American Commitment. Right now we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Tell us about Less Government. Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of the government uh, when appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, so what's interesting right now is you wrote a, such a fascinating column, and an important column, I think. Trillion-dollar big tech companies will use China virus scam to take over America. It's a pretty big claim. Tell us about it. Well, I'm watching what's happening. Look, governments all over the country are forcing us to sit at home and do nothing. Yeah. So, of course, what's that? You know, I'm watching, I watch CNBC every morning, and it um, turns out a Facebook friend of mine is Joe Kernan's brother, or sister, excuse me. But anyway, um, I like Joe Kernan. So anyway, it's the most newsy uh, morning show, and, and, and they're talking, they're, 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 they've been, for six months now, they've been so surprised by how well the tech stocks are doing. Mm-hmm. Facebook and Amazon, and it's just been amazing what a run they've had when the rest of the countries struggling so much. I'm like, we have governments all over the country forcing you to be home where all you have to do all day is spend hours and hours and hours handing your data, your life, and the economy over to these companies. Yeah. You're online buying from Amazon. You're spending 10 hours a day on Facebook and Twitter. And so, of course, these stocks are going up. You know, Bezos, there was an article from May, which is only three months into the shutdown. Bezos' personal wealth, the owner, Jeff Bezos, the owner of Amazon, was up 35-plus billion dollars in three months. Yeah, you know, I'll um, just make a comment. It's, it's kind of interesting right now, though. We're seeing a drawback in terms of uh, in financial markets for tech stocks. Oh, just the last couple of days. It's, it's called profit-taking. They're just taking profits. It's not... They've made so much money that they don't want to see. They want to see it in their wallets rather than on paper. That's my estimate. Well, I think it's um, a, it is a correction. I so I think it's. I don't think we're into well, a bear market or anything like that. No, no, no. I, I think it's profit taking. They're up so much in six months mm-hmm. that they're like, you know what? Rather than having this on paper. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull some of it out, but you're right. They're also thinking, well, you know, these people who are, are are usually smart, and they'll say, well, these shutdowns are ending, so this this run will 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 slow. But mm-hmm. anyway, the problem is when we emerge from the shutdown, they're going to be the only companies with cash. 
I found another article from May that over two, uh, over a hundred thousand biz- small businesses had already been permanently killed yep. by the shutdown. Yep. So you do the math, and this is an avalanche going down a hill. So it gets faster and bigger. So that's three months ago. So that means at least two hundred thousand small businesses have been killed, um, and probably more because, like I said, the avalanche grows in size and speed mm-hmm. as it goes down the hill. Um, now. You're going to have six companies as being the only companies that are liquid and have tons of cash on hand. Amazon competes against basically everybody. Right. And we've just murdered a quarter million of their uh, competitors. Um, they're going to do one of two things. They're either going to buy these smoldering ruins that were once successful small businesses mm-hmm. on the cheap, or they're just going to replace them with big tech facsimiles. You know, you see this all over the country. Amazon is buying shopping malls and turning them into distribution centers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all that retail is turning into Amazon pod spaces. Um, and th- this is awful from an economic perspective. It's going to be, you know, and, and then, of course, when you talk about government perspective, there are, they've already spent the last 15, 20 years buying lots of cronyism from the federal government, local governments. I mean, you just saw Jeff Bezos go on a giant government money bribe fest to lo- relocate his, to locate his second headquarters, where, you know, Arlington, Virginia offered him like three and a half billion dollars in tax breaks to locate a thousand jobs there, which makes no mathematical sense whatsoever. Um, you know, th- these are all bribes. This is all cronyism. Yeah, yeah. And of course, at the federal level, um, they're getting a ton too. Well, that's when they're as big as they are now. Yeah. What's going to happen a year from now, two years from now, after the the, the uh, COVID uh, damage is, is continued to, to assimilate into more and more ownership by these five, six, eight companies, whatever, however you want to categorize it. And then they go to government. They're not going to be asking for stuff. They're going to be demanding stuff. So, and, and the, because the, they represent half the frickin' economy in the United States. Yeah, and the, the, the part of the, that also concerns me is the censoring and the ability, the, the political influence that they have, and the cultural right. influence that they have as well. So it's, it gets, it's a compounding how effect. How likely will it be? How, we're having a problem doing anything about it now. Right. How likely will it be when they run half the economy? Yeah. So what, you know that kind of brings up a giant cronyism problem in the on the make. So are are you a proponent of uh, uh, the uh, antitrust? Yes, yes, yes. We have to. You know, uh, there's a lot of again a lot of residual Democrat uh, Republican thinking that you know antitrust bad. Antitrust always bad. It's always bad. Well, I'm sorry, but if the economy is 22 trillion dollars and Apple's worth two trillion dollars. There may be an issue there. Yeah. From a less government, you know, I've I've often said when the government when a government gets this big and it and it spends you know ours spends four and a half tr- trillion dollars a year our entire economy is twenty two trillion dollars. Um, when a government's this big, sometimes you have to go for a little more government here to get a whole lot less government there. A prime example is the border. You spend a little more money for a little more border enforcement, and you don't have 25 million illegal aliens living on government money in, in your interior. Yeah, a little more money down south saves a whole lot money uh, saves a whole lot of money in the country. Uh, likewise with this, you know the antitrust anti the anti antitrust Uberalis people have to realize they're killing us. They're killing us with censorship. They're killing us. They're killing the economy. They're they're not behaving behaving in market uh, ways anyway. Google, you know, they they steal intellectual property and say, "Come sue us. We're worth a trillion dollars. You're worth 140 bucks in your savings account. Um, come try to take it back from us." Um, they behave in non-competitive fashion all the time. Um, they are an antitrust monster. They are 50 times more powerful. I wrote this years ago than. You know Vanderbilt and 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 Rockefeller and Gates, uh, Gettys. Uh, you know the the, the the oligarchs of old have nothing on these guys. So, so let me uh, riddle, riddle me this then, uh, Seton, because the interesting thing that's happened: these companies have created great value for consumers in what the meantime. Value. If, if Facebook. 
book went away tomorrow, what happens? Does the Earth stop spinning on no, its axis? No, it doesn't, but it, it's a source of information and, and interaction. That, no, that, it's not. They censor us. Yeah, well, you know, I, I get that. I, that's my, my concern, too. But in the meantime, people have placed a value on it to the point where they're using Of course, it costs them nothing. Well, they had a built-in monopoly with Section 230. They right. couldn't get sued. Right. Nobody else has that monopoly. No other publisher has that has that that giant cronyism going for them. I agree. Um, and and you know and, and then they started getting bigger and bigger and, and and widening their reach as far as into other areas. Google is in all sorts of things. They're in you know autonomous vehicles. They're in AI. They're in cloud service. They're you know they're not just a search engine anymore. Right. Um, that's where most of their money comes from. They they. 92% of the searches in America to go on Google, um, speaking of monopoly. Right. But they're using their money to widen their imprint on the economy. And that's only going to get much, much worse as we start to clean up the mess government has created by killing hundreds of thousands of small businesses. Yeah, as is Amazon. I mean, they've created some great value also. But I'm noticing that sometimes you go to buy something and you could get it. They also cheat like crazy. Yes. They killed. <laughs> They did a professional hit on Toys R Us, for example. All I right. wrote about that years ago. They they signed him to an exclusive deal where they'd be the only toys on on the Amazon platform. Um, then they started selling other toys. Amazon sued. I mean, uh, Toys R Us sued. And years later, the judge completely undressed Amazon and said, "You totally ripped these guys off." This is in 2005. Now the, the contract was in '99, and. And the judge said, okay, now Amazon, I mean, uh, Toys R Us, you can build a website now. Amazon had, Bezos had intentionally put in the contract that Toys R Us could not put up a website huh. to compete with Amazon. And by 2005, of course, they're, they're a decade behind all their competitors. Right. And Amazon had just screwed them, and then they tried to get up on the online, and it was too late. They were already dead. Yeah. Seat Motley, again, the founder and president of Lesco. I'm so happy that you brought this issue to our attention. I mean, again, they've got cash, and they're buying, 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 and usually dirt cheap after things have kind of been running to the ground because of the COVID-19 situation. So, again, lessgovernment.org is the website, and, of course, you can visit Less Government on Facebook. Seat, no always appreciate there are very few things more dangerous than a buyer's market when there are only a half dozen buyers. And absolutely. Really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. My pleasure indeed. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Phil Kirpin. Wait till you hear this story. This is so fascinating. We're going to, He's with uh, President of American Commitment. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. With all the threats to faith, family, and freedom, Christian Television Network, the Faith Center Fort Myers, and Florida Pastors Network invite you to Healing Our Nation Tuesday, September 22nd at 7 o'clock p.m. for a free panel discussion on engaging and impacting culture with a biblical worldview. Distinguished national guest Bishop E.W. Jackson, founder of Stand Foundation, staying true to America's national destiny. John Stenberger, founder of Florida Family Policy Council and called to vote, Along with historian and best-selling author, Dr. William Federer want to equip you to effectively respond to the moral and social issues impacting our community. 
Join us live on television September 22nd at 7 o'clock p.m. on CTN Southwest Florida or live streaming at ctntelevision.com or in person at the Faith Center. Details, ctntelevision.com. That's ctntelevision.com. Or call 239-543-7200. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I hope you'll visit the website, thefga.org. We have with us Phil Kirpin. As I mentioned before the break, he is the president of American Commitment. Phil, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Phil. Tell us about American Commitment. We're a national free market advocacy group. We work uh, really on all the fiscal, economic, and regulatory issues, and we try to get involved in fights that are sort of on the margin that could go either way with a little bit of citizen engagement and education and uh, maybe tip things uh, in a better direction. Right, and you've come up with a story that this is just a blockbuster to me. It's called Too Many of the Wrong Tests and None of the Right Tests. Maybe you could tell us about it. Well, we, we've run about 30 or 80 million of these uh, PCR tests, uh, polymerase chain reaction tests. It costs about $100. It's a lab test. You see the results everywhere. They call the positives cases, uh, even though we now know that at least 90% of the positive results are not detecting live virus at all. They're detecting old viral debris and remnants from up to 12 weeks ago, even though people are only infectious for five to seven days. Uh, and so we've got this weird situation where we're running all these numbers and all these tests and everyone's obsessing and we've got all these headlines, but the tests actually have almost no value. They're not useful because they don't give you information that you can act on. Typically, by the time you get the result of the test back, your infectious period is over. But if it's positive, and it might be positive for months anyway, you're going to be told to isolate, to, uh, to, to go sit at home for a while. You're going to, they're going to do contact tracing of everyone you've been near, even though it's very unlikely that you were infectious when you were near them. And so we've got kind of this whole massive edifice that was built up around these tests that are actually incredibly ill-suited uh, to the task of figuring out whether someone is infectious or not yeah. uh, because they're so hypersensitive. And, in fact, uh, Bob, we've got more information since I wrote that because the New York Times, of all places, followed up on this story, and they actually got data from three states. They got data from Nevada, New York, and Massachusetts, uh, and they found out that those states were running tests, are running tests, at 37 to 40 amplification cycles. And every time you run an amplification cycle on one of these tests, it doubles the amount of genetic material. So there's a huge difference between 30 doublings and 35 doublings and 40 doublings because, you know, when you go from 30 to 31, you've doubled it, and 31 to 32, you've doubled it again and so forth. Um, and the CDC says the, the, uh, the lowest d number of amplification cycles they've ever seen where there was actually live virus that could be cultivated was 33, uh, but we have research from Oxford that says the cutoff should be at 24 uh, to actually find people who are infectious, and yet we're going to have these labs running tests, you know, with 37 to 40 doublings, and the New York Times said that that results in 90% of the test positives in those three states they were able to find being non-infectious and being essentially remnants of old viral debris, and so the real number of infectious uh, people who've been tested is probably only 10% of the so-called public case count. Of course, uh, that doesn't mean those are the only people out there that are infectious because not everyone's getting tested, and right. so there's also sort of the true prevalence issue in the community. But the, the, the challenge here and the problem, the reason we all these tests have been done more harm than good, in my judgment, is... Um, you know, if you're trying to catch it early and find out if you have it because you just got some symptoms or what have you, or, you know, someone close to you in your family did, you want to find out if you have it, these tests that you have to send off to a lab and wait for the results to come back, they take way too long. Mm -hmm. Because by the time you get the results, you might be over it anyway. If yeah. you're only going to be infectious for five days and you waited a couple of days before you sent it off and then you got it back. And so what we really need are instant tests. And as far back as March, there have been applications to the FDA for instant home tests. Uh, which can be done very, very cheaply uh, because they're not super, super sensitive. They answer a different question. They don't answer the question of, is there any viral DNA anywhere in your body? 
Uh, they answer the question of, are you infectious? Which is a much more important question. Of course it is. Uh, and what's, and so, what's, what's prohibiting this? Why, why don't we have these tests? Uh, the FDA, although they have, they have moved forward since I wrote that. They have approved one, kind of. And so we, there now is an Abbott test uh, that can give results in 10 minutes. Hmm. And the uh, sensitivity is set pretty close to tell you whether you're infectious or not. So that's really good news. The bad news is uh, they've only approved it for use in doctor's offices and pharmacies, and the results are automatically reported to the government. So it doesn't have <laughs> one of the virtues that I was hoping for of approving this kind of test for home use, which would be, you know, that you control the results and decide what to do with it instead of it being fed into the hype machine and everything else and, uh, you know, government. And so uh, they, they have kind of gone halfway to what I'd like to see. There is a version of this type of test that's approved now, although it is not approved for home use. Uh, and instead of doing it on a strip of paper, which would have cost $1, uh, they did it on like a little credit card device thing so they could charge $5. So it's not exactly uh, what I want, but it's pretty close. Uh, other than the fact they're not allowing it for home use. And, but, but although, you know, that also is a big problem from the standpoint of, you know, you can't buy a dozen tests and use them at your leisure if, you can, if it's not approved for home use. And so they, they've only gone halfway in yeah. terms of approval, but uh, it, it's, still, it's, still a pretty good, it's still pretty good progress because it's a much more appropriate test uh, than what we've been using. So, Phil, if you if it'll allow me, I'd just like to make a little summary here. What I'm hearing is that we have tests, uh, that are so sensitive that they're picking up any viral material that may not indicate that we actually have COVID-19. The consequence is that up to 90% of the tests that we that are proven to be uh, cases or positive uh, actually could be uh, not positive at all. There has, is a test that hasn't been available up to this point that we could have as uh, citizens if we had a child that would look like they're having a problem or we have an adult, 87-year-old grandparent or whatever it might be, give them a test and we'd know right away whether they have COVID or not or whether the, the issue is something else. That test has been available except the FDA doesn't approve it and only now you're p reporting that uh, it's, it's available only through your doctor. Uh, that's correct. Oh, that's yes. just unbelievable. That's uh, just... Uh, in, in, well, the I, FDA has not covered itself in glory in any aspect of this uh, disease, I would say. But uh, certainly, the, the whole way they've handled testing uh, has been a disaster. We went from having no tests at the beginning to having you know millions and millions, tens of millions, the most tests in the world, uh, but really the wrong tests in my judgment. Oh, my goodness. Well, I just genuinely appreciate your research on this. What can we do to support your efforts? I mean, I'd like to see us. I'd like to know. I'd like to have the test myself and, you know, I, you know maybe give it to myself weekly to, to find out if I'm uh, infecting anybody else or whether I have a, a, the prospect of a disease. Or just for peace of mind. Yeah. yeah. I mean, especially if you can get the cost down low enough where it's not prohibitive. I mean, um, you know, I think we need to weigh in with the Trump administration and with the FDA and say uh, that they've got to approve they've got to approve rapid tests for home use. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know they want they want government to have all the information, which is why they don't want to do it. Uh, but frankly, uh, the problem with that is there are an awful lot of people who are not going to take a test if government controls the results, uh, and so they're just not going to know. And that's why I think it's so important uh, that we sort of decentralize it and get home tests approved. Yeah. Uh, wouldn't it be great if you could if you could have these tests at public schools or have these tests for available for the University of Wisconsin or wherever it might be, you know, for these football programs? So we, you know, it, instead of the ones they're taking, which might tell you about, uh, you know, something you had months ago, or you, we've seen all these stories now about athletes getting these false positives. Yeah. Because there are so many false positives with these PCR tests, which are just way too sensitive. And so, you know, if we could use something that's more appropriate to answering the question of whether you're infectious or not. Uh, it would just be a huge improvement. Uh, Phil, this is such a big and important story. I really appreciate you bringing this to our attention. I'm going to just refer our listeners to your website, AmericanCommitment.org is the website, AmericanCommitment.org. And uh, check out the website. And again, Phil Kirpin, uh, president of American Commitment, really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. All right, my pleasure. Have a good one. You too. Thank you. All right, well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I uh, always appreciate your feedback. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Uh, if you'd like to receive the newsletter I send out uh, after each show, you can just uh, let me know that, and we'll, we'll make you a subscriber. Uh, bobharden at hotmail.com. We have terrific guests lined up for, for tomorrow's show. We're going to be visiting with Andrew Joppa. He's a professor. He's also author of Josephus of Oz. 
Bob Levy is a constitutional scholar and chairman of the Cato Institute. Uh, we'll be talking about some of the fundamentals of uh, libertarian thought. We'll also visit with Larry Bell. Larry is endowed professor at the University of Houston. He's written several books, many on climate change. My favorite of, uh, is uh, Scared Witless, The Prophets and Prophets of Climate Dune by Larry Bell. His latest, How Everything Happened, Including Us. I'm reading it right now. It is really fascinating. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>